Let's go to the book of John. John, the 11th chapter. Starting at the 38th verse. John, the 11th chapter. Starting at the 38th verse. Can you get there with me, please? Say amen. Amen. Word of the Lord says, <coughs> this particular verse, that Jesus therefore again groaning in himself, he cometh to the grave. And it was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. And we honor you this morning that if you would think enough of us that you would raise us up out of our sleep and out of our slumber and take us on another journey today. And Father, we pray that we take this journey in you. For Lord, you are a wonderful God and you, you woke us up this morning and we should have woke up wanting to come and praise you and uh, I feel the wonderful spirit here that your people came this morning through the doors of the church building so that they would be able to not only give praise to you, but humble themselves and hear your most gracious and anointing word. And Father, we thank you for that because it's through the receiving of your word, Father, that we all receive healing and eternal life. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now and we give thanks to you. Because you've been very good to us, and we thank you. We don't want to. We don't want to uh, dissipate that in any any way whatsoever. We want to say, God, we thank you for the love that you've given us, and we bless you. And in Jesus' name, we do pray. Let the church say, Amen. 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 Now, here it is. It's during the time of the feast of dedication, and. <clears throat> During this time of the Feast of Dedication, it was in the winter time. It was in the, our month would be the month of December. It ran for eight days. Uh, it ran from the 15th of December to about the 23rd of December. On the Jewish sacred calendar, it's called the month of Shizlu. Shizlu is around the ninth month. So it's a different month and a different timing between the U.S. month and the Jewish Christian sacred month, but it's during the same time. So the Feast of Dedication is a time of the time of December, our month, starting at the 15th, of December, it ran through the 23rd of December, eight days. And the Feast of Dedication was intended to purify or rededicate the temple each year. That's why they call it the Feast of Dedication. It's a time when you renewed yourself back to God. You know, you purified and you gave, and, 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 you, and you know, you. You, you, you became clean with God. Yeah. In order to grow in God, we have to become clean with God. And what I mean by becoming clean with God is to confess for your shortcomings to God and go to Him and ask God to forgive you and just get on up and do what's necessary to be done. It's really not that difficult to do. Only becomes difficult when pride gets in then it becomes a major situation and a major challenge is when pride. And the Bible talks about how a haughty spirit is, comes right before the fall. So here Jesus is, and it's during the time of the Feast of Dedication. He's in Jerusalem. He's in a place of peace. And how many of you know that when you're at a place of peace, that chaos is just around the corner. Right when you're at a place of peace. 
Right when you're at a place of wanting to do better in God, chaos is right around the corner. That's just the way it is. So here's Jesus, and he's at the Feast of Dedication, and the Jews are plotting to kill him. How many of you know there's some things out there that's always plotting to take us out? But most of these things that's plotting to take us out are the things that's going on inside of ourselves. We are our own worst enemy. How many of you believe that? See, see, we can't get nowhere until we realize and understand that we are our problem. We blame it on the devil, but we are our problem. Jesus didn't save us from the devil. Jesus saved us from ourselves. The biggest devil that can ever do any harm to us is self. There's nothing more destructive than self. Now we can all agree on that, can't we? So here Jesus is, and Jesus, he takes, and he knows what they're trying to do to him. He knows that they're trying to kill him. But how many of you know that everything has an appointed time and an appointed season? So Jesus, what Jesus does is, Jesus, the Bible says, he goes to a place beyond Jordan where John the Baptist was baptized and had been baptized. And you'll find that in John 10, verse 40. We'll read there in John 10, verse 39 and verse 40. The word of the Lord says, Therefore they sought again to take him. But he escaped out of their hand and went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized. And he, 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 he abode there. He stayed there a little while. And during this time that he was there, a word came to him. The title of this message is Spiritual Groanings. You'll understand this in a minute. Spiritual Groanings. So he's there, and a word comes to him, a message that one of his dearest friends was sick man named Lazarus. Lazarus means God is my help. So, this Lazarus is sick. Now, now Jesus thinks a whole lot of Lazarus to the point where you'll find later on in there where it doesn't say Jesus wept over the situation about Lazarus. That's how much he cared so dearly for him. But, Here's Jesus, and he gets this message. But when he gets the message, he does something that's uncanny. He doesn't do what we think he would have done. He waits two days. I mean, he hears the message, but he waits. But just because he waits, doesn't mean that he's not studying the matter. Just because he waits, it doesn't mean that he doesn't have a plan in the matter. Because he does. Two, two days. Now some things are going to take place. And during those two days, a covenant is made between him and what he's got to do about the situation. Because two represent a covenant. Sometimes we need to be in covenant with God before we make a move. So Jesus, he waits two days, and then he starts to go toward a place called Bethany, where Lazarus was. But he knew Lazarus had died. Because by the time he got there, Lazarus had been dead four days. Four means total. So Jesus had a bigger plan. But in order for God's plan to be promoted and his glory to come forth, 
Lazarus had to be totally dead. Anything in you that's dead completely? You gotta ask yourself that question. Because I grant you there's some things in all of us that need to be resurrected. So he waits, and four days later, he's coming into Bethany. Bethany means house of affliction or house of David. So in this house of affliction, because through much tribulation do we enter into the kingdom of God, this house. But how many of you know that this light affliction, which is only for a moment, worketh in us a more exceeding way to glow? It can't even be compared because of that which is working inside of us. So here's Jesus, and he's coming into Bethany. Now, Jesus is the power and the wisdom of God's spirit. He's coming into Bethany, and what he does is he's met by Martha and the rest of her family. Now, Martha is Mary's sister, but she's also Lazarus' sister. Martha means Christian mistress. That's the one that does a lot of service in the ministry, but she don't really know God. You know them kind of people? Well, that's Martha. That's the Martha spirit. Those are the ones that do a lot of the programs, do a lot of the conferences, but they don't have no relationship with Jesus. So that's a Christian mistress because she don't have her man yet called Jesus. She know about him. But she don't have it yet. That's the soul that don't really have Jesus yet. They know about it. They doing all the they got a form of godliness, but they deny the power that rest. That that's Martha. She does a lot of service work. But she don't do the important things. No. She don't do the what's important. So here it is. Jesus is coming in. And he already knows that Lazarus is dead. And Martha says, you know, like, Lord, if you had would have been here, my brother would still be alive. And Jesus looked at him and he said, yes, he said, Lazarus is not dead. He said, he's alive. She said, Lazarus a little bit. She said, well, I know that during the time of the resurrection that he'll live again. But Jesus strolling along the road with her going toward where Lazarus was, I can see him look over there and say, but I am the resurrection and the life. You know, he, he, he didn't say it like a Baptist preacher. He, he just said But I am. And, and he that believeth on me, yet though he was dead, he should live. So he's trying to explain to her sometimes. But it ain't quite registering because that's too high for her. You see, David said, look here, I don't mess with this kind of knowledge here because this kind of knowledge is too high for me. I can't attain it, he said. See, see, she couldn't attain that. But Jesus knew what he was saying. So Jesus comes forth and he says, you know, he said, you know, like, like, like she said, uh, 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 he said, take me to the grave. She said, yeah, but he's been dead four days now. He's stinking. I said, okay. Just take me to the grave. So they strolled down to the grave. And I want you to look at something real close in verse chapter John chapter what, 11, 38. It says that when they came to the grave, Jesus approached that grave. How did he approach it? He just kicked it. 
Now you see why you need a teacher. Because the teacher is the one that hears from God to give you a revelation. Now watch this. When you read that, you just read Romans. You had no revelation except Romans. But I'm going to give you a revelation to you all word. Watch this word. When he approached, now this is the Spirit of God approaching the grave where that which is dead in you needs to be called back to life. You understand? He goes, how did he go? He went groaning. Romans 8, 26 says that the Spirit helps us in our infirmity. For we don't know what to pray for. But it goes and it intercedes for us through groanings which cannot be us. What did Jesus do? He came to the grave groaning. That was the spirit. He was in the process of interceding for Lazarus. That's what he was doing. He was interceding because something was about to be resurrected in him again. And the only way that he could do it was through gold, groaning in the spirit. Because the Bible says that we don't know what to pray for. If they would have known what to pray for, then they wouldn't have had to call Jesus. But they had to call Jesus, and when Jesus came, he knew what to do because, because we don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit helps us in our infirmities because it knows how to make the intercessions, and when it makes the intercessions for us, when it approaches that dead spot that's trying to be resurrected in us, it approaches it with groaning. So God he looks at this thing, and he hears the groanings of his son. The power and the wisdom of God is groaning to resurrect some things in us. Now the things that is groaning cannot be us. It's a spiritual thing. So Jesus was groaning inside of himself when he was approaching that which was dead in the cave, in the grave. Are y'all with me? So the word of God says that when he came to the grave groaning, that it was a cave and a stone lay upon it. This stone that lay upon it, did you not know that Ephesians, I think, 423 tells us to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. See, this stone was a thought. And this thought had this that was dead in us had it sealed off where it couldn't come out that grave. Let me explain it to you like this. There are some things inside of us because of the way we think is in the grave and can't come out. Do you understand that? And until that stone is rolled away, that which is in there can't get out. So Jesus says in verse 39, he says, Jesus said that take ye away the stone. Did you see what Jesus said there? He said, you take away the stone. You remove that thought. You remove that thought and I'll do something for you. Y'all, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. You see, here's what the devil does. 
The devil wants to bless us, minister. But we won't let, I mean, God wants to bless us, but we won't allow God to do it. You know why? Because we can't get out of that mindset that we are in. You know that old, I don't feel like it mindset. That's a killer. Right when you don't show where you're supposed to be with God and God wants you that, you lose your greatest power. And all the devil got to do is keep that same thought rolled over that same deal. That's all he got to do. That's all it takes to keep you from going higher in God. But you know what? I'm going higher. I'm going higher. I ain't, I, I ain't going for it no more. I'm going higher in God. The devil is alive. I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to be what God called me to be. I'm going to be blessed. I am the blessed of the earth. I'm going to be blessed. And by being blessed, I'll be able to bless somebody else. Are you with me? Powerful words. Powerful words. The Holy Spirit is all on me. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling this time. I'm feeling this thing all over me. But here's Jesus. And, and, and the Bible, he, he tells them in red, take ye. In other words, you take away the stone. You got to remove that thought. The Bible tells us to cast down every imagination. That exalts itself above the knowledge of God and bring it into submission. It's safe for us to do it. But how do we do it? Through the pulling down of strongholds through God. Because our weapons of warfare, they're not common, but they're mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. And casting down every imagination and thought that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. God say I can. God say I should. I say I can. I say I won't. Say. Yeah, but didn't I just see you running around? But all of a sudden, every time it comes time for God, you tell God a lie. But really, you tell yourself a lie. That's that stone. You will never get nowhere in life, hear me good, until you take away the stone. Not gonna do it. I wish I could tell you a lot, but the doctor is in the house, and I'm using a shock scalpel this morning. It ain't gonna even hurt. It ain't gonna even hurt. It's gonna be so. This operation gonna be so smooth. It ain't even gonna hurt you. you there's no anesthesia needed on this one, but I guarantee you, a tumor gonna be cut out this morning, and you'll never know. You had said. But you'll feel better, you'll know it that way. Because God's word is anointed, and it's going to do something. The word says in verse 39, and Jesus said, Take ye away the stone, Martha, the sister of them that was dead, said unto him, That is Martha. She said, That's the mystery, the Christian mystery. See, she don't know the power of God. She got a form of God in it, but she don't know nothing about his power. All y'all don't hear me. The Bible said, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by now or by 
God, this time he's speaking. Well, he's been there four days. Jesus said unto her, said I not unto thee that if I would have, if thou would believe, thou would have seen the glory of God. If you just believe, well, let's see what nine, Mark 9, 24 says. Mark 9, 24. So it sounds like to me that all God is looking for is somebody to believe so that he can believe. Do, do, do it make sense? Amen. Yeah. Now 24. So here's the word of God. The word of God tells us here, over there, the word of God says, and straightway the father or the, the father of the child cried out and said with tears. Now here, here, here's a person hmm, that has a demonic thought. The father brings him to Jesus and he's crying out for help. Let me tell you something. Israel was in Egypt for a little over 400 years. And it wasn't until Israel cried out to the Lord that the Lord decided to do something. There's something about crying out in the spirit. Amen. that causes God to move. Mm -hmm. You know the reason why a lot of us haven't been released from our bondage yet? We haven't really and sincerely cried out to God yet. Because when we cry out to him, we're still holding on to some garbage. But you gotta want to release that thing. And if you want to release that thing, then you send that cry up, God will help you. He'll send a thing called anointed favor to your life. So he this man is with this demonic, oppressed boy. And he doesn't know what to do with it. You know how it is. That boy, that son, that building in you. That causes a man to drink liquor or and can't stop, or smoke crack and can't stop. You know that thing. And you don't know what to do. But you don't like being demonic. But you don't know what to do. So you cry sincerely to the Lord. I need a little help here. And you got somebody around you that's crying out with you. Every morning. So Jesus hears the cry and, 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 he, and he realizes what's going on. And he says in verse 23, Jesus said unto me, if thou canst believe, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believe. He keeps talking about believing. So it seems to me like only thing that Jesus wants us to do is believe in him. He said, if you just believe in me, I'll show you great and mighty things. But the man came back with an honesty. Somebody said, honesty is the best faith in the world. Honesty will bring you back and verse 24 says, and straightway the father of the child did what? Cried out. And said the tears, groanings, oh, Lord, I believe, but I need you to help me in my unbelief. Oh, he was honest. You see, he believed, but he still had some unbelief in his belief. So he said, Lord, I need you to help me in my unbelief. He was honest. And if you get honest about this situation, then God will make your life better. Because after all, I am 
the resurrection and the life. He said, it didn't say that I was or I'm going to be. I am. In other words, I can resurrect you from your place of death right now. If you just believe it. Right now. The word of the Lord says, verse 41, John 11, verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Rule number one, you've got to obey the instructions. Ah! Hey now! Hey now! Follow the instructions. I get a call this morning from Orangeburg. Pastor, I won't be there this morning. Follow the instructions. Because when you think you all that, God will let you know, no, you're not. There's a protocol. And if you can't go by my protocol, then guess what? I can't bless you. Protocol is forsake not the assembly of the brethren. Protocol. Yeah. Now, God says in his word that I place my word above all my name. So who are we to try to say, okay, I'm going to do it this way? Well, you do it that way, and God say any other way is the same as a thief and a robber. Now, God's word says that. Now, if God's word say that, then that means that God's not going to change his word. So you just ain't going to be back. You will always have chaos and can't figure out why. When all you got to do here in the church, all you got to do is to run. You know the biggest mistake that you've ever made in your life if you're not willing to surrender. The biggest mistake any of us have ever made in our life, if we're not willing to surrender, is that we got saved. We should have left God alone. You got hell on your hand now. You should have left God alone. Now this word is powerful this morning. The fear of God is in this house this morning. And it ain't got nothing to do with me. Nothing. Because I'm preaching this thing as easy as I can, but I feel like an atom bomb up here. Because I'm just going out in the atmosphere. But see, here's the thing about God. See, this is what I like about God. God has a set people for a set time. And have you ever noticed that God will have who's supposed to be where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. And he'll exclude everything. Have y'all ever noticed that? And when he does that, have you ever noticed how peaceful and the whole house is fully attentive? Have y'all ever noticed that? Have y'all noticed this morning how the praise team was just free? Have y'all noticed? See, people be housing demons and they don't even know. And they come in and they disrupt the show. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Watch how you come into the house of the Lord. We have to do that now. I'm preaching this thing easy. He said, look at here. He said, they rolled away the stone, verse 41. And Jesus lifted up his eyes because David said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hill which come my help. You see, remember that sign was over their head the whole time? But they never knew it. Everybody else knew it. But they never knew it because all they had to do was look up. 
If you lift up your eyes into the hills, that's where your help comes from. My help cometh from the Lord, who sits above heaven on his throne. So we can't see him down here. You can't see him down low. Don't let people make bricks out of you. Things that hold you together because of the, of, uh, in the mortar that holds you together is the things of the world. See, Jesus lifted up his eyes and then said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Confidence. Somebody say confidence. When you talk to God, confidence. The Bible says, come boldly. Hebrews, what? 416? Come boldly to the throne of grace when you come. Didn't say come meet him out. Open your come boldly with confidence. And verse 42 says, and I knew that thou hearest me always. Sound like confidence to me. He's telling his father, I always know that you hear me when I come. But because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. It ain't because I don't believe you heard me. I know you hear me every time I call on you. But it's because of those people that are around me that I said it that way. Because I want them to understand that God is on the throne and it's God that will bring forth his mission in us. Yes. God says that when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice. Remember, I always carry y'all open y'all mouth. Jesus cried. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus cried with a voice of authority. Let it come forth. And he brought him out of that grave. And see, that's what you got to do. Some things that done died inside of you and you know you need it in order to attain and maintain a good life. You got to roll away the stone. And you got to speak to that dead thing that's down in there and tell it to come out of there because I need you to be resurrected in my life. And immediately the Bible says something start walking out of there. It was still dark back in that cave. And it was still, the Bible said, it was still bound hand and foot. Because it wasn't all the way out yet. See, see, it couldn't see that it had been resurrected. It took a minute. You've been locked down, you know what I'm saying? It takes a minute. When you get out of jail or learn how to use proper silverware and go to the place again and eat, you know, the buffet and stuff. You don't know nothing about no buffet. Somebody got to train you. So you got to have somebody sign. How do you do it? Just way to keep yourself from being in the bag. You know what I'm saying? So he comes up out of there. He's back. And he still got his grave clothes on. Because he, he don't know yet. But the Bible said that when he come up out of there, ha, Jesus said, loose him. And let him go. See, all God wants you to do this morning is hear the voice and the crying and the groaning of the Spirit and let it be done. That's all He wants. That's all God wants. God ain't asking for a whole lot. All God is looking for somebody that's going to believe what He's got to say. All God is looking for somebody that's going to hear His voice and harden not their heart in the day of provocation. He said, now is the acceptable time for salvation. Now is the day. Right now. Harden not your heart. When you hear the voice that says, let come forth. Don't say to yourself, I can't. Because they're keeping that stone. It's amazing how we can for everything else and can't for God. 
The devil is a spanking liar. Ain't y'all tired of being around that old weak stuff? Tell me the truth. Somebody talk to me this morning. I'm tired of being around foolish, stupid Christians with that stupid spirit. You either gonna do what God say do or just don't do nothing. How long does this church think that I'm just gonna sit back and see you tell lies to God and not say nothing? Amen. I think I've been taught. I think I have. I'm thinking shut some folks down. I think you sit some folks down. So I don't mean that. Mm-hmm. We on a mission. Yeah. We got a job to do. Mm-hmm. And either we're gonna do it or we're gonna have to get up mm-hmm. or get off the pot. Because the ministry keeps going. Mm-hmm. You told me that a long time ago. That's one of the best things you could have ever told me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He did. Oh, I can't do well on his do now. That guy ain't got no problem. Tell him about him. Hey, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I sat myself down. Y'all know. Didn't nobody have to do it. I sit up in that crazy chair a lot of times. Ain't no shame in my game. You're a fool, you're a fool. And I've been one. But I also know a fool will wreck something too and tear up everything. So you can't let a fool drive because we deal with folks so. You tell y'all something. Yeah. So we might as well get this straight. You know, everybody in here that's a that's a leader. That's why we're gonna watch that thing. I don't want nobody leaving out here. We're watching that first. You walk out of here, you forfeit your place as a leader in this house. You can still be here. If you walk out that door and don't come in that office, you, I, I go for everybody that's in here that's a leader. You won't be a leader here no more. If you walk out that door, disrespect me on this one. I'll clean this whole thing out and start all over again. I'll start evangelizing. I'll get on a circuit and preach. I'll do whatever I got to do. Somebody wants this word. Somebody wants this word. Because this word is rooted. That's right. So, so you see, we're obligated as, as leaders. Because we got people under us who sold us. So when we get up here to minister, your minister, whatever ain't right, I want you to get it right. Whoever you got to sit down, you do it. That's your job. I'm going to back y'all away. I mean what I'm saying. You see, because, see, we're ministers. You're a minister. You, you're a minister now. That's what you're doing. You're still a deacon there, but you're doing a ministry job. You're going to have people under you. Mm-hmm. So if you ain't right, how you going? Because we're dealing with people's souls here. You're a deacon. Mm-hmm. You got people under you. You know what I like about God? If you don't move before God tells you to move, when God tells you to move, if you move with Him, the people that accept the truth when they hear it, because you're moving in God's time and not in your own. That's why I ain't going to tell you. I wait on God. I wait on God to release me. So the key would have full control. Because I'm just a vessel. He said, Lord, why don't you come back? And verse 44, I'm still in John 11, 44. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whew. Oh, I swear to God. Y'all want to hear the rest of this message? I've got to get some stuff now. I'm in here. Let me get on down here. Verse 44 says, and, 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 and he that was dead came forth. 
He was bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Uh huh. <laughs> Y'all remember Psalms 118, verse 17? He said, You shall not die, but you shall live to declare the works of the Lord. That's right. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? <laughs> you shall not die, but you shall live. Because God got work for you. But now listen to me. Be careful. Because God will take you. You play. Don't play no more. Don't play no more. When God bless you, you act like you got sense and you run to God. Don't run back. And you be a man. And you listen to what God says. Because a lot of times our spouses can get us in trouble by saying the wrong thing. This ain't got nothing to do with you and your spouse. It's about you. Your life is stake. Your. So the word of the Lord says that when he came forth, his foot was bound about on his face was also bound about with a what? Didn't I tell you when he was coming out through there, he didn't know? His face was still covered. In other words, his eyes were still covered. He didn't know what God had done. See, see, that's what causes us to keep being messed up the way we messed up because it's not that God hasn't delivered us, it's not that God hasn't freed us, it's that we still got the napkin on our face and we can't see what God has done. So we go back and do the same thing that we always do because we never took the napkin off. It ain't, it ain't that you didn't come out the hole, but you came out of the hole, resurrected, but you chose to stay blind. Good God Almighty. And Jesus said to them, Luke, Luke, let him go. In verse 12, look at verse, look at chapter 12. Because I got a road here. Chapter 12, John. John 12, verse 1. Are you there? Amen. Watch what happened. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, see, here, six men in his limited position. That's far as you go without God. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover. The word Passover means to be exempt. See, 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 you got to get to your limit as a man before God can pass over you and exempt you and bring you to a place of exemption. Understood? You got to get, in other words, as long as you're full of yourself, you can't get exempted. You got to come to your limit on this thing. All the way. I yield, I yield. Because I done tried it, and every time I try to stay my way, I wind up hurt, broke, disgusted. It just ain't working. Well, you shouldn't have got saved if you wasn't going to do it the whole way. You shouldn't have confessed it with your mouth and believed it in your heart if your heart was still holding on to stuff. It shouldn't be held on to. Because the Bible said, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Those who got clean hands and a pure heart. Ooh. And he's not spoken with their mouth or tongue with deceit. Lies. You can't lie. Because God hears what we're saying. So when we use excuses to do or not to do, then what happens is is God will take that same thing that you spoke to him and bring it into a reality. He'll bring it on your children. He'll bring it on you. He'll he will. Because a lying tongue is one of the seven
seven abominable things that God hates. In the book of Proverbs, the sixth chapter, I believe it's in the sixth chapter. That's one of the seven abominations. A lying talk. The Bible says ain't no liar. Uh, Revelation 21, 8. No liars, all liars. The same with adulterers and murderers going to be yeah. cast into the lake of fire. He put liars among murderers and all the rest of that. If you're not going to do what you're supposed to do, just fine. We still love you. Don't, don't lie. But you know you're supposed to lie. Yeah. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, he came to this place of house of affliction. Because he knew that through, in, in Acts 14, 22, that through much, he said, confirming the souls of the saints. Mm -hmm. And exhorting them to continue in the faith. Because through much suffering or tribulation do we enter into the kingdom of God. Acts 14, 22. Well, he's saying here in John 12, verse 1. That he comes to this place of this house of affliction, Bethany. He's in Bethany. And daddy made a supper, verse 2. <laughs> and Martha, look what Martha done. Martha served. Remember? Martha is the one that does the program. She loved all of the, 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 the church programs. You know, we got eating going on. She'll be there to serve. We got a program. She'll be there. But she ain't. She, she most likely she the one that loves to do run that mouth a lot behind folks back. But most likely she ain't the one that'll sit at the feet of Jesus. Amen. And she'll get mad at others and try to stop others when they do. Amen. The word of God says that she's over there and Mary was over there anointing Jesus' foot and she began to complain about it. And Jesus said, Look, I'm not gonna take this. She told you to do the better time. Serve me. She, she, she chose to do the best thing. I'm not going to take that from her. But see, the Christian mistress, the one that's not really connected, she's connected with church, but she's not connected with God. Amen. What she'll do is, she'll think that what she's doing is involved. Because she comes to church, and because she give out programs, and because she do this and do that, but she never picks up a Bible. She never understands what God, she never seeks God, she never gets on her knees and prays, and that she can be anybody because we're talking about the souls, and all souls are female to God because God is going to be married to our souls. In him there are no male or female in the Bible. It said when we come, we, we'll be just like the angels. That's what it says. So, the word of the Lord says that Verse 2, John 12, verse 2. There made, they, 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 there they made him a supper and Martha served. But look what Lazarus did, that thing that's been resurrected. It was one of them that sat at the table with Jesus. You see what Lazarus was doing, though? Lazarus is up in there. I'm sitting at the table. In other words, me and Jesus talking. Let somebody else serve. Me and Jesus have a conversation here. I'm sitting at the table with Jesus. Hey, we got to do that. We got to do that now. I ain't got to do nothing. I'm sitting at the table. How many of y'all know we're sitting at the table right now with Jesus? Other people doing all kinds of other stuff, but we sitting at the table because we chose to set up the why? Because we were once dead, but now we're alive. And we don't want to go back in that cave no more. If we do, we crazy. it. Well, say, Robert, Robert, you're going to hear yourself. Oh, I'm serious. Hey, it's better to be happy. Man, look here. I lay down at night. I pray. I always, I always pray. I pray quicker than my wife. I do. Because I'm not built that way. I pray. I got God built me a certain way. Built her a certain way. But we pray. She don't hurt her on my side. And you know, 
Well, I can't wait till she get in the bed. I'm saying, Lord, I do. Not to do nothing stupid, but I, I'm used to her being there, and it's something about having her and being able to hug on to her. You understand what I'm saying? People appreciate your spouse. Appreciate your spouse. You know what I'm saying? Because I ain't satisfied until I get to do that. And after I do that, about five minutes, then I roll over and I go to sleep. You know, it's a Jones that I got. You know, it's a Jones. It's one of the Joneses that I've got that's a good Jones. For those who don't know what the, uh, the Jones is, that's an addiction. So he's appreciative here. Got to learn to be appreciative. So, verse 3 says that then Mary, why they were at the table? Mary, which means rebels. See, Mary is the one that rebels against religion. Martha had religion. Mary rebelled against Martha. <laughs> I'm not serving nothing. I'm serving God. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to be taught by God. I ain't trying to do all that you're doing. So Mary takes a pound of ointment of spikenard. Spikenard is, means that it's an ointment that's unadulterated. In other words, it's the anointing of God. She takes it, and look, it's very costly. Yeah, it's very costly. Man gave his life for it. And she anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Hair represents the cover. See, what she did was she humbled herself in the sight of the Lord and she was covered. She was covered by that which she humbled herself to. And not only that, but she received her anointing by Given the anointing, she received the anointing. See, the anointing is already there in your life. Remember I said, you got to roll away the stone. The stone is what keeps the anointing from coming out. Remember Jericho? It represents the, the fragrance of the soul. The walls had to be broken down. You got to open the bottle before the perfume can come out. But look here. It says that when she anointed his foot, since when you humble yourself and be covered under the law, this house was filled with the odor of the ointment, meaning that the anointing began to flow. And when the anointing began to flow, look what always happened. Remember that? I told y'all, every time you go to do good here, you commit thanking God. Then saith one, verse 4, then saith one of his disciples, Judas said to carry Simon's son, which should betray him. The word Simon means to hear. The word Simon means to hear. He's a builder. A builder of something inside of us called Judas is a character, Simon's son. Now, look what happened. Judas means praise. It's the same as Judah. It means praise. But when you put is a carrier on the end, it becomes betrayer of praise. And that's what Judas is a carrier did. He betrayed him. That's what Judas is a carrier does to us. He betrays our praise that we have for God. And he starts telling us, well, that's why I want you to look at this, this, this video for you to Because it's going to show you what Judas is a carrier will do. Judas is a carrier will betray you and make you think, I don't want to hear no more of this. I'm not interested in this now. That's, that's that thing in you betraying God's praise in you. And let me tell you something. No praise, no joy. No joy, no strength. No strength, no power, no peace, no nothing. It's all down here. So, the word of the Lord says here that 
listen to Kevin. Simon's son. See, sometimes we begin to hear things that we ought not hear. And it causes us to betray what God has done in our life. Y'all agree with me on that, don't you? And he begins to say, verse 5, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence? That's $469 in American dollars. So that was an expensive perfume. Pretty expensive. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Well, see, that's what old, old Judas, old Judas is carrying. That's what he'll do. See, that's that old spirit in us. When we go to do the right thing with God, and that's when we go, and when we take that anointing that we have and allow ourselves to produce fruitage for Jesus, then that old spirit will come to us and start talking to us. Well, why don't you take this anointing and do something else with it? But he had disguised it as, why don't you go help the poor? Okay, just how he'll do it. And just how the old devil will do it. Just how the old devil will do it. Show you how the old spirit will do it. How he'll do this guy. He sees you producing for God. And then he'll take, like I was telling y'all about some family members. You take one of them sorry family members that we all got in our family. Amen? Can anybody say amen? Don't you? Now, what he'll do is, you over here doing God's work. And you're doing it in a righteous way. And he'll use the one that's poor. That's why Jesus said, look, this poor will always be with you. He'll use this one over here that ain't want nothing in life, that ain't doing that, ain't really doing nothing. Ain't really doing nothing. And he'll have them throw a blockade up on you. And throw a guilt trip on you. And have you, why you supposed to be over here doing what you're supposed to do, because ain't no need to sowing seed in concrete, because ain't nothing going to grow. You'd be crazy if you do that. You don't do that. So, and that's concrete. You know it's concrete, that's why it's cold. Because it ain't, it ain't it don't do right. It don't do right. See? It keeps thinking that it can do it in its way, but it, it ain't gonna produce. It's like it, it won't produce. It's like taking seed and planting it on and, and waiting on it to grow. You was crazy. No, you gotta go out there and plant it in the ground. And it's got to be the right ground. So while you're over here out there planting in the right ground, kicking this thing over here, and this thing over here, this is Judas is a character. Well, you know, I need you to come over here and do this for me. You know, my heat messed up, and I need you to come over here and do this. Yeah, but. And it'll pull you away from doing what you need to do. And then you'll come over here and waste a whole lot of time with this over here. But this over here don't care nothing about you or your God. All it wants is what it wants. And as long as you give it to it, what it, that's what I'm telling you. And that's why they got them running here and there and everywhere. As long as they get what they want from these churches, they go from one to the other. But then when it, when it comes time for the God, the real God, now they done took you away from doing what you were doing good. That's that Judas is a character. That's that cutthroat. That's why Jesus said, Go on, always be with you. You know? So I'm telling you this to let you understand and know that every time you go to do good, that voice will start talking to you. To try to stop you. This is the uphill battle that we're This is the journey that goes uphill. And we got to press our way. So I'm closing here with this. Six. Verse six. John 12, six says, This he said, talking about Judah, not that he cared for the poor. He didn't care. But because he was a thief, he wants your blessing, but he don't want your God. 
had there, and there what was put therein. Then Jesus said, let her alone. Against the day of my burial has she kept this. Look at verse 24. Because Jesus said, very better I say unto you, except the corn wheat fall into the ground and die, it about it alone. But it falls to the ground and die, it brings forth much fruit. See, Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren. He had to fall to the ground and die to bring forth the fruit. So this anointing, what she was doing, she was investing. Did you hear what I said? She was investing in the kingdom of God. My God. Investing. In other words, it ain't about you. That's our problem. We suffer. We don't come to church to see what we can do for God. We come to church to see what God can do for us. That's the wrong mentality. That's the wrong mentality. We don't get on our knees and say, God, what do you want me to do for your king? We get on our knees and tell God what we want him to do for us. Don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. Ain't did more praying for no one man and woman. I'll say what we want and who we want to have. It's a mindset that's got to be changed. For the poor always ye have with you. But me, ye have not always. So you don't have him always. My final scripture is Genesis 6, verse 3. Genesis 6, verse 3 talks about how God said, My spirit is not going to always strive with man, but I'm going to give him 120 years. One twenty. One twenty. One twenty. That's all he got. And then he went on down right off. And he never read it. Brought it on down to three score and ten years. Cut it down to seven years. And he said, if a man get any more than that, it's through affliction and labor and hardness. Y'all give God a hand, please. Give God a hand. Deacon, y'all come around.